0: liberty well what is going on all of our liberty loving friends welcome back to another fantastic episode of the good morning liberty podcast i'm one of the hosts here charlie chuck thompson with me as always the one who knows just about everything there is to know mr nathaniel paul thurston how's it going today man
1: it's It's friday amazing it's friday it is friday and, uh, you know, I typically I'm not I've never been big on Fridays because I actually like what I do every day. So I actually uh, went Sunday night. I'm like staring at my office like, man, I get to use that thing tomorrow. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> so I Fridays, like to... you know, uh, I, I like the opportunity to come in and uh, and make money all week. And Friday is like a, a break from uh, making money. So I'm not typically all that excited about it. But one thing, you know, you said that I am the one who. Knows almost everything there is to know about almost everything, whatever that is. The one thing I can't figure out is noise reduction on a podcast mic in at your home uh, during a pandemic. Yeah, And I have tried all sorts of different, all sorts of different things well, to you reduce know, the noise.
0: Even NASA is working on that one. And I know they haven't, they haven't gotten there yet. So there's still time for you to figure this out.
1: I'm sure Elon Musk will figure it out, uh, more than likely. But uh, so far, this just can't be done, I don't think. I even went and bought a crappy blue, no offense to anyone who uses these microphones, these are great microphones. I went and got this crappy blue Snowball (laughs) microphone from Target just to plug it directly in through the USB to cut out the soundboard and the other mic and the cloud lifter and everything else just to make sure that it wasn't in there. And I think it's a little bit better today, but the mic, thats only because the mic is so crappy that it's not picking up the frequencies that have that sound. I think. So, uh, <laughs> it's a great Friday, everyone. How's everyone are doing? You, I hope everyone is.
0: Uh, are you saying <laughs> really that you good. that you took a chance and went out to Tarjay in the middle of a pandemic? Are yeah. you saying you took that chance?
1: I think the biggest chance for was on buying this crappy microphone. I thought that's what you were commending me for. I forgot about For the, the people.
0: For the people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how much you actually care.
1: I, no one I, could
0: ever say that you don't care.
1: I was willing to sacrifice other people's lives for this podcast, <laughs> and everyone should commend me for that. Yeah. Okay. Now, we went out uh, the other night, uh, went out to Walmart in my hometown here, and then they didn't have what I was looking for. Then we went to Target, and they didn't have exactly what I was looking for. I bought this just in case, and then I went to Walmart in Mount Juliet again after that. Uh, And we went to PetSmart all over the place. We ran into this hilarious, who I only think, I think her name might be Carol Baskin. That's That's really all I know.
0: Carol Baskin
1: Robbins. Yeah, it's Carol Baskin, and that's who it is. Uh, she was probably a Debbie or a Sharon or a, a Karen, more than likely. But there were these people in front of us, and she was checking out, and there was a group of people behind us. And she was checking out at PetSmart. And she turns around to this group of people, and she goes, uh, can you please step back? Just to, just step back there, right there. And, then, and I thought that was it. So the people backed up a little bit. And she wanted to keep going. She needed to keep going on this. She just turns around like a few seconds later and goes, I don't know if you heard, but there's a virus going around <laughs> and you're supposed to stand back behind that line. And I keep moving up and I keep moving around the counter and you guys just keep moving closer and closer to me. And like it's like, let me like sp- chastising these people. Let me spit on you while I'm talking. Real yeah, quick. she had the, her name. There are no other options other than Karen, Carol, Sharon, Debbie. Um, that, that's really the only names I can think. If you guys have any other names, I don't think we need them. It was one of those names for sure. Uh, so that, that's all we know. And then when I walked hey, no offense
0: to any of you guys with those names that listen to us, but you know who you are. I'm
1: not, I'm not saying that everyone like that acts, everyone with that name acts like that. I'm just saying there's a statistical likelihood that people who act like that might have that name. And that's all, that's all I can say about that. Yeah. And then the lady was using the, the the custom dog tag maker, literal dog tags for their dogs. No gloves, no mask, just punching on the screen, just sitting there doing that, you know, trying to select her dog tag. Like no and, one else you know, has done that. Like like a billion other people haven't touched that thing throughout the day. She didn't have gloves on. She didn't have a mask on. She wasn't worried about that whatsoever. She just, you know what happened? She had an opportunity to exert tyrannical will over other people because they crossed the literal line that was in tape on the floor that they were not supposed to cross. And she had the opportunity to control other people. And she took it.
0: And she enjoyed and we're,
1: it. we're seeing a lot of that. She probably calls the cops on people for fun.
0: So <laughs> She's anyway. one of those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's an interesting story, Nate. Um, th- that's how you ventured out into this, you know, bottomless pit yeah. of this pandemic out there. It's Just despair.
1: Uh, Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a great story. Uh, I want to tell you guys, thanks for listening to the good morning Liberty podcast. Thanks for joining us here every single day when we want to, uh, for those of you that are subscribed, that's who the thanks is for. I'm thanking you, all of you subscribers. There's 92% of you and you're in, you're in the top 92%. And I appreciate that. The eight percenters of those out there that are not subscribed uh, we haven't looked at the numbers recently, actually. We should look at those and see if that's gone up to like, or gone down, actually. Maybe we only have yeah. 7% now. Um, but anyway, those percentage of you that are not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. It's free. It's easy. It's like one of the best things you can do in your life. And I, don't, I, I can't recommend it enough. As far as recommendations <laughs> are concerned, I cannot recommend subscribing to this podcast enough. I mean... As far as going through this pandemic and you're you're setting into a depression and you're losing your mind and you're wondering, will life ever return to normal? One thing you can be sure of is by subscribing to the Good Morning Liberty podcast, you boost some serotonin levels. Now, look, I'm not a doctor or anything. I just know somehow, through sheer tyranny of will, I understand subscribing to this podcast boosts serotonin levels. like I'm not making a claim or anything. I'm just saying, that's what I think. So hit well, that subscribe you listen, button.
1: If you listen and your serotonin levels, don't go up. Charlie is open for lawsuits now for <laughs> saying that um, so that he did give you medical advice. If you are suffering from depression, just listen to this podcast <laughs> and that's actually how it will get better. Don't seek any other medical advice whatsoever. I didn't say that. Just do this. Mm-mm. Yeah. No,
0: I didn't yeah. say that.
1: And if you send us money at patreon.com slash liberty, <laughs> it'll actually help your depression even more. So that's yeah. uh, that's what it is, and we'll yeah, that, tell you the the true secret to solving your <laughs> depression, which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Pursuing meaning, we got some good stories today, but we got a limited amount of time today, so we got to run through some stuff. I got this great article from Fee Fee.org, our favorite website in the whole world, other than GoodMorningLiberty.us, which. Tends to look a lot like fee.org. So go to the Foundation for Economic Education. That is a, an amazing website. They've got some great people writing stuff over there. This is about the FDA. Has the COVID-19 crisis is the result of decades of FDA misrule? Now this is this is cool. This is like, got some good information and some stuff I didn't actually know about. The COVID-19 pandemic is exposing how the U.S. Food and Drug Administration puts Americans at increased risk of sickness and death. Imagine that. Decades of killing medical innovation and forcing industries offshore made this inevitable. Rightfully, many are questioning how things got this bad. As political stock rises and calls for change in Washington, Americans must watch out for any false debate that merely aims at rearranging the deck chairs. So this is a uh, reform the FDA. The real debate should be over how to best downsize or abolish the FDA. And I'm, I'm totally down with that, which contributed greatly to the vulnerable state in which America now finds itself. The FDA is one of those many creatures of Congress that effectively wields legislative, executive and judicial power with almost no real accountability. It has grown mightily since its inception in 1906.
0: This is to protect you, by the way, though. That's what they created this for.
1: Yeah. To protect 1906, you. guys, that's how long since we had a free market in healthcare, really since the AMA started taking over stuff in the 1880s or 90s, uh, but 1906, FDA uh, started controlling stuff. Okay, so the, yeah, free market, maybe about 120, 130 years ago, sure. Yet, thanks largely to its treatment in the media, many Americans have never imagined how the country might benefit from doing away with the bureaucracy. That may change now. Probably not. I think they're just going to hope that the right person is in control of that bureaucracy. That's, that's my fear. Yeah, we need to appoint the right person. Yeah, the FDA's most public failure is its most recent, the blocking of any private production of co- coronavirus test kits during the initial outbreak. How many Americans will pay the ultimate price for this policy remains to be seen. We never talk about people that might have died because of the FDA. Um that would be a tough number to measure. It's an unseen thing for sure, but it it's it's a lot. It's a lot number. You can just say a lot of people.
0: And it's private qu- testing, quite frankly disgusting. It is. It's just it is. absolutely maddening and they will never take responsibility for it. You know, it's kind of like the um the the government in Flint, Michigan, you know, taking no responsibility. The lawsuits that were filed or the criminal charges that were filed were all dropped. Uh, For people that were ultimately responsible for lead in the water, uh, people of Flint, Michigan, who died and some got really sick and then just there's no responsibility. There's no accountability or nothing. It's just they can operate with impunity and a private company would never be able to get away with this ever. You would have to be held accountable.
1: The so only way is, is, a private company would be able to get away with this is if they paid off the right people in the government. <laughs> that's yeah. really the only way. Right. That's that's how you get away you with pay that. Pay it as off a the right people in,
0: the right people in the FDA. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it says private testing delayed. It wasn't until March sixteenth, over two weeks after the first American diagnosed with coronavirus died, that the FDA allowed private labs to have their testing kits approved by state agencies. <laughs> That was their approval. They allowed their testing kits to be approved by state agencies. By that time, about 5,100 people in the U.S. had been infected, and 91 died just by that time. Sadly, the only test kits available before then were produced by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They didn't work, but luckily for the CDC, government agencies are never held to the same standard the private sector is. (laughs) So it says, uh, Journalist James Bovard has documented... For decades, the FDA's fatal flaws that push many of American healthcare, American healthcare sector to foreign countries or out of business entirely. He traces that back to at least 1990, where Dr. David Kessler was made commissioner. As enforcer, Kessler employed tactics familiar in communist countries. His top enforcer of the drug surveillance branch was quoted in a Washington University scholarly paper saying, The old way is over. We used to say that if a company made certain changes, then we would probably not take any action. Now we won't. Now even if they make the changes, they might end up in court. We want to say to these companies that you don't know when or how we'll strike. We want to eliminate predictability. Wow. So that's oh, so nineteen
0: ninety. So that would have yeah. been um that would have been George Bush Senior's appointee
1: there. Yeah. Wow. So, so how how are you going to operate inside of that environment as a business? Like, what do you what do you think you're going to do as far as your uh, ability to take risk? Anything like that. Well, number one, you might move out of the country. Number two, you might not take any of the risks at all. You might just repatent the same drugs after you change one molecule. That way you never have to take any real big risks ever. So that that might just be all that you do. We'll see. Uh, Bovard notes the medical device industry was hit hard by Kessler's FDA, citing an American Electronics Association survey that showed 40% of medical device companies reduced the number of U.S. employees because of FDA delays. 29% increased their investment in foreign operations, and 22% moved U.S. jobs overseas. Yeah, so this is
0: an industry that my brother is in,
1: um, and he
0: was actually looking at starting his own um starting his own medical device sales entity and started digging into it and realized like you have to have all of these approvals and things just to be, just to try to sell stuff. You know, it's like these companies invent these amazing things. And then you have to jump through hoops just to show it to somebody.
1: You yeah, can't even show even, it to it, them. It's not even that the just the person who created the medical device needs the license it's even then the person who wants to sell it also has to jump through an insane amount of hoops afterwards so just a lot of hoop a lot of, a lot of hoopla going on around there that's what they would call it dad jokes securing those foreign produced devices for americans has not been easy so now we got foreign produced medical devices. And by the way, we're in a trade war and we're also in a situation where we're cutting off transport between different countries. Tesla, SpaceX CEO, Elon Musk t- took it upon himself to have around a thousand respirators flown into Los Angeles from overseas, but their delivery was held up by the FDA. Imagine that So this, during, this,
0: a, <laughs> during a shortage, hang on, timeout, timeout yeah. shortage. We need to inspect these yeah <laughs> you know i know people are dying but it's okay let me inspect them first we want to make sure that these respirators don't try to kill people
1: <laughs> oh god it's insane man <laughs> despite the fda's best efforts there are still incredibly productive companies making medical devices in america the san francisco-based company Nurks announced a $181 coronavirus home test and a plan to send out 10,000 of them just four days after the FDA lifted some of its restrictions on private tests. However, NERCS was forced to cancel its product release because the FDA so far refuses to curtail its restrictions on home tests. Jesus. So they announced the home test, and now they had to cancel that release because of the FDA restrictions. The lack of test kits are only half the story of Americans' prolonged struggle with COVID-19. The other half is overregulation of medical treatments and medicines, which also dates back to at least the days 1990s under Kessler. This is so, just depressing. It's crazy, man. I mean, I'm 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 really thankful to to Fee and uh, uh you know for spending the time and doing the research on this. That's that's really good. So Happy Friday everyone. Here. Happy Friday. The, just know you're wanna-
0: your death is likely caused by government.
1: If you want to talk to people about why we're libertarians or why you're a fiscal conservative, why you want living government, why you don't want the FDA, any of that stuff, this is a great article. And we'll put it in the show notes. Kessler ordered that approved drugs should only ever be used for their original purpose. Even if the approved drug was found to cure or treat another ailment. The manufacturers were prohibited from informing doctors to that fact. Wow. It should be clear now why the mainstream media so reflexively malign President Donald Trump for suggesting the anti-malaria me- medicine, hydrochloroquine, could be used to treat coronavirus. The media has a long history of cheerleading for increased government intervention or simply running cover for the regulators. Take the instance of March 31st Bloomberg article with the headline, Coronavirus Forces Cancer Trial Changes patients long sought it forces cancer trial changes patients long sought you have to read nine paragraphs before learning the fda eased up on its clinical trial regulations and that's that's what you end up finding out that, that that's what actually happens later in the article that was the fda easing up it says coronavirus forces regulators to cut their own red tape to save face that's the real narrative <laughs> the whole government response to coronavirus by the way so that's a that's what we've been having this whole time. We've been talking about that a lot. Like yeah. we've seen every, tons of articles about just cutting red tape to try and help things.
0: Yeah, and the, you know the whole drug trial thing is just unbelievable. Um I actually know somebody that's in one and the amount of paperwork and things that you have to do um you know if you miss like one survey or something like that the whole thing could be derailed. It's just it's unbelievable how ridiculous and strenuous and everything is to just go through this i mean think about the cost of all of that you know you just you know you always have those people like well what if those what if it you know we didn't have the fda and then it ends up killing people it's like (laughs) well first of all there's two arguments for that one fda approved drugs and devices kill people anyway uh and two we've said if you just create things that kill people, eventually you're going to kill all your people that are paying you money for this stuff. It makes no sense. Like yeah. killing people doesn't make any sense for your product. You know, even the, even the illegal black market drug market knows this, you know, if they mix <laughs> a product that accidentally kills a few people, they have to switch up that thing because if, if all their drug, uh, the, if all the drug dealers, if all of their people, are dead, well, they can no longer buy their drugs and make their illegal money. It's not, this isn't rocket science, NASA.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is not. It is not whatsoever. And that's the thing, like people, people have a, we always deal with this unseen problem. What? Who are the people that are dying because of the FDA? And no one ever asked that question. It's like the same question that we ask, how many people are dying because of the economic shutdown? You can't ask that question. People only deal in the seen consequences of a specific action. People are dying from coronavirus. Therefore, we spend every single dollar that there possibly is, and we destroy the entire economy, and we lock everyone in the jail cell, and then no one dies from coronavirus. And that way, we stop deaths from coronavirus. There we go. We save lives. No one ever talks about what could happen as a consequence on the other end. Same thing with FDA. Oh, look, the FDA blocked a medication that ended up being sold in Europe. I uh, can't remember the name of it. That ended up uh, creating all kinds of defects and, uh, in pregnancies and harming pregnant women. I uh, can't remember the name of the medication. Well, look, the FDA never, uh, never released that medication in the United States. And therefore, they saved a bunch of lives. Okay, well, what about the other hundred medications that they didn't Uh, approve because of either corruption or paperwork or timing or because the percentage that they had written on the paper was just 0.1% off for the ratios on whatever it was. How many people died as a result of those medications not existing? And no one can No one wants to answer that question. They only want to pay attention to the medication that the FDA blocked that ended up being dangerous. They never want to pay attention to the medication the FDA blocked that would have saved thousands of lives. Mm -hmm. That's not what they want to talk about. No, of course not. Whatsoever. So that's the infuriating part. It's always the seen versus the unseen. People pay attention to what am I fixing right now without paying attention to what's going on back here whatsoever. It's like a magic trick all the time. That's why people fall for magic so well, cause they're doing some kind of thing in front of your face and you're not paying attention to what's going on over here. And you know, the economy is not really magic. You, I'm not good at magic, but I can see unseen consequences, potential unseen consequences in the economy. And if you, what I've learned is, is if you just back down your emotional response just a little bit and question everything, regardless of the emotions on a subject, then you'd be a lot better at seeing potential, uh, unseen consequences with decisions. I,
0: I think, honestly, we, should switch what you just said up instead of trying to convince people to look at things logically, because that's very, that's really hard to do, you know, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is changing the message, our messaging. And really we should just start developing stories about the unseen. And, and talk That's, about the single mother who lost a baby because the FDA didn't approve this medication. We need to yeah. start. We need to start drumming up those own emotional stories. You know, I was talking to, to Stephanie, my girlfriend, for those of you who don't know, I was talking to her last night about a few things and she was telling me um, she's much more of an emotional thinker than I am. And she was telling me last night, she was like, Charlie, stories matter. I was like, well, yeah, they do. But then you have to look at the stats and be like, okay, is what I'm feeling, does it back it up? But, you know, for most people, that doesn't matter to them. The stories Mm -hmm. matter to them. And so when you look at personality tests and and Nate and I have done some of this research, in fact, our whole entire speech at the Young Americans for Liberty uh, convention was all about. This is like we have to find a way to tell the stories that matter, that fit uh, what we know to be true as far as the data is concerned, because most people get bored with data. They, They don't care. All they care is about how they feel. I mean, you see that with genders nowadays, you know, well, you're going to start seeing it with all kinds of stuff. I told Nate yesterday, feelings don't care about his facts. And so, <laughs> and so I don't know. I think, I think, you know, a couple of things is obviously we have to keep up to date on the logical data side of things, but we need to really start coming up with stories about how the single mother lost her baby. Uh, the single black mother lost her baby. Because the FDA didn't approve the medication in time. And if you tell that story, I wonder how many people would start jumping ship to our side. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely something we've talked about doing a lot before. I've always said, I've always used your brother Trey as an example of how would I convince people to change their mind. And a long time ago, I decided that I would never convince Trey to think logically. Um, I would I would never really be able to do that. I, it's only going to have to be on an emotional basis. And the way I would do that is since he only cares about helping people and about trying to help the most amount of people possible. That's what your brother truly cares about. Mm-hmm. I have got to come up with a way to show that the way that what we're talking about is the best way to help the most amount of people possible. That you're actually hurting people by doing these things, the, and sure, I think this, can,
0: this article does a great job of that.
1: Yeah, you can look at some gains like, ooh, look a, a stimulus check. Maybe that's a bad example. Ooh, look at welfare, something like that. Are you truly helping people? What about all the unforeseen consequences after that? You know what? What about the what about the future? What about long term? Uh, what about the economic impacts of shutting down? this economy right now, and, and you know, what if I lose my job, and you lose your job, and we all work in healthcare, like, what if, because, you know, that industry is getting shut down in a healthcare crisis, what if that industry is getting shut down, and we all lose our jobs, and then your mm. your kid can't, you know, grow up the way that he would have grown up, and everything's different, like, there's real, true stories here that could happen. Why like don't it really happen? Why,
0: why don't you ever see any headlines mm-hmm. that say the FDA killed 91 people in March?
1: You know what I yeah. mean? Not going to see that.
0: Yeah. no major news outlets are going to put that, but you could make the argument that because they restricted testing, 91 people died that maybe wouldn't have died mm-hmm. otherwise.
1: It's really. And so you got to be able to get around people's preconceived feelings because you know, you could, <clears throat> someone's telling a story about how, oh, this person, they didn't think it was a big deal, and they went out, and they went around their their family member and their family member ended up, ended up getting sick and dying. And, like, I get that. That's a really sad story. Like, you know what else is a sad story? Uh, yesterday, someone decided that they were going to go to the grocery store, and they got in a head-on collision, and they died. And actually, a few of them died. And and then, it, actually, that happened about 2,000 times yesterday and the really really sad stories from each one of them after I tell that story have you decided that you're never going to get in the car ever again is that what you decided after that no so it really depends on what people's kind of preconceived beliefs are even if you tell a sad story I can't convince you to never drive a car again although I could provide way better evidence for never driving a car than I could for not going back to work during the during the pandemic could provide way better evidence for that but people aren't gonna care. They've already got a set of beliefs. So we got to find a way to deconstruct this in some kind of way.
0: Let me ask you this. <laughs> if you get bit by a shark, are you hopping back up on that board?
1: Uh, no, probably not. Well, <laughs> <laughs> man, let's go surfing. Everybody's learning how, okay. Uh, tell me about the IRS and the money to dead people.
0: Yeah, so Probably
1: that the FDA killed.
0: This is interesting. I saw this from a tweet um, from Thomas Massey, and so I, I looked into it, and luckily this morning I found this fantastic article from the CNBC. Um, you know, they are definitely fair and balanced. So the IRS sends coronavirus stimulus checks to dead people, uh, which is good for them, I guess. I mean, you know, I guess the those checks will never be cashed, so the government might be doing this on purpose.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway. So this from CNBC, an unlikely group counts itself among the recipients of coronavirus stimulus checks, the dead. The IRS began distributing $290 billion in direct cash payments within the past week as part of the $2 trillion CARES Act stimulus bill. As part of the plan, IRS is sending checks of up to $1,200 per individual and $2,400 per married couple over the past several days to weather the economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic. However, the agency directed some of the one-time payments to bank accounts of deceased individuals. USA Today reported this week. It's not immediately clear how many deceased people received the direct deposits. Republican, uh, representative, sorry. And Republican Thomas Massey said Wednesday, a friend texted him to say his father dead since 2018 had just received his $1,200 <laughs> in stimulus money. According to MarketWatch. Quote, we're aware of all the survivor related questions and we're still working that issue. IRS spokesman Eric Smith said, and of course, the Treasury Department did not immediately respond to requests for comment. This is, by the way, so this is like just it just shows the lack of efficiency and accuracy of of a government. So it was, you know, it's very hard to issue those checks out of that COBOL system. Um anyway, this isn't the first time that the federal government has issued stimulus checks to the dead. Now, if you'll remember, this isn't the first time that the federal government has used dead people for all kinds of things. So remember Obama's American Recovery and Reinvestment Act when there more than 71,500 dead social security recipients received a $250 stimulus payment. Um that was back in Obama's administration in 2010. Deceased social security recipients got $18 million of the 13 billion set aside for all social security recipients in that Obama era stimulus package. Not only was it a mistake, it was an $18 million mistake. I can't wait to see how costly this mistake is for the government. What do they do about that? You're like, hey, sorry, I sent you a check dead person. Let me take it back. It's just grossly incompetent.
1: I guess they can just pull it back out of the account if they ever figure out that it went into the account. I mean, it's, I, I don't, the family would probably have to let people know. They own the uh, banks, I, I guess.
0: You know, they, <laughs> they have access into your account, so just take it out.
1: Yeah, they can take it out if they ever notice, um, if they ever notice that it actually happened, which is probably going to be a really low likelihood. If people think like, oh, well, that was billions of dollars for this specific thing, and uh, they sent out $18 million. That's that's just a little, you know, that's not a massive inefficiency. There really is a massive, a really big inefficiency. If you think about a company accidentally sending $18 million somewhere, like this is not going to happen inside of an actual company. They've got this stuff figured out because they have to have this stuff figured out because they can't forcefully take money from their customers their customers have to voluntarily give them money. So they can't just go willy-nilly spending $18 million somewhere where they didn't need to, okay? And if you just think about it, Charlie, I mean, good Lord, all the money you pay in taxes for the rest of your life would not pay for the money that they sent dead people this year, more than likely. Yeah. So it's just great. Like, when you think about it like that, it it can just make you so mad. Like, all the money I pay is not gonna pay... more than likely for the champagne at the next White House dinner. Well, you they say that for yourself. not going to do it. Yeah. Because
0: by the time I reach my goals, I'm going to be paying a lot of money in taxes, I think.
1: Oh, well, so I'll be you... evading taxes the whole time. That's why I say that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. pay them. Yeah. I mean, I'll owe. I'm going to owe billions. I'm going to owe more in taxes yeah. than anyone ever in the history of the world, but I'm going to evade most of them.
0: Of those, so, you know, fifty thousand shell companies in the Bahamas, Nate owns forty nine thousand of them. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, you're opening up shell companies for shell companies.
1: I I am. <laughs> Plus, I own Shell. So <laughs> I mean, it, you know, what are you going to do?
0: Which is owned by a shell company. Yeah. Yeah. You just shells upon <laughs> shells on this on the seashores.
1: Okay. So you know, inefficiency at its finest. Now, wh- what about this other this other stimulus, Charlie? Oh man, this this
0: this article made me so angry.
1: I'm still angry about this article and and we'll, we'll figure out, we'll know, we'll see why. I think we're
0: going, let's round out the show with this one. So before we get to all these rich people and how much money they're getting from this stimulus, let's talk about patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. If you guys want to see us live, interact with us, see our mean mugs on camera, then you (laughs) can do that. At Patreon.com/slash/GoodMorningLiberty, become a supporter for as little as five dollars a month. You get all kinds of exclusive access to bonus episodes and live pre-show and post-show and the live show, and you get to see us and interact with us, ask us questions, laugh at us. Which is what Maurice does most of the time because you're right, we're hilarious. That's why you guys listen to our show. Uh, but you can interact with us and ask questions, all kinds of cool stuff on the live Patreon feed. So to do that, go to Patreon.com/slash GoodMorningLiberty. Nate, you know, you, you reminded me earlier that you were just sad that the weekend's coming up, and that's because you can't trade on the weekends. Well,
1: yeah, you know, well, the- I guess
0: technically you could buy some stuff in the post market and hold it over until Sunday night, but. You know, you were you said that you were trade
1: all weekend. I guess
0: you said you know over the weekend you just stare at your office and just can't wait to get in inside your office, and that's 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 your goal all weekend long. And so, how can people have that same feeling?
1: Well, you got to find something that you really, really enjoy doing. First off, I'm not going to say that that's trading for you, but if you give it a shot, it probably will be because one thing, it's really fun, and it's amazing to know what the just unlimited potential is. Trading is that thing where tomorrow you can learn to hit the right button at the right time and make a living for the rest of your life. That's why it's always worth the investment, the time, the risk, all of that, because it is pure freedom uh, if you can exercise pure discipline at the same time. if I don't, I don't know if those two things go together, but yeah, you can be disciplined and have pure freedom. Is that an oxymoron? no I don't know. it's personal responsibility
0: it's a, which leads to yeah. freedom
1: there you go personal responsibility which leads to the pure freedom but we do mastermytrades.com which is teaching people how to read stock charts how to find support and resistance trend lines trend reversals looking at low float penny stocks in the morning and picking points where they're going to be popping real big on the day uh, we're doing that every single morning on the class plus i was looking we've got about we've got about 48 educational videos on the website right now, and then another uh, about 40 or so pre-market videos, trade recaps, and uh, other other things like that, vlogs and all of that. So literally, we're coming close after this weekend. We'll have about 100 videos on the website explaining from the very beginning of how to read a stock chart all the way to when I will specifically purchase some type of shares and some and some kind of stock and why I'm doing that and what strategy I'm using to do that. Not making so, any claims or anything. Just I'm not saying for people to do that. It's purely thing,
0: educational.
1: This is what I do. And I'm all, we're also talking about several different strategies. And what's really cool is I'm, we're going to keep going through different strategies because there's an insane, unlimited amount of strategies that people can trade. And my number one recommendation for people is that you figure out what your mindset is, what your risk tolerance is, what your time frame is, how long you want to be trading, how many trades you want to be taking, how attentive you want to be, how much risk you want to take. I said that twice, so that's very important. Uh, how much risk you want to take, third time, there you go. So then you can decide which one of the strategies works best for you because if it doesn't work for your mindset, you're not going to be able to force yourself to trade like a strategy that works for a different trader. So you want to find the one that works the best that fits your style, that fits your mindset, and then just perfect that and that's what we're working on Is we're teaching it and then we're going to keep drilling down and keep perfecting each one of them so it's been a, a really fun class so far we had a lot of people sign up for it a uh, surprising amount of people actually i didn't realize so many of our listeners would be interested in it but that's good that means we've attracted people that are very interested in taking control of their own futures and not being reliant on other people so that's good that means we attracted the right people to the podcast so that's master my trades dot com you go check that out plus we do a weekly live I had to skip yesterday um but we're gonna do it on sunday instead we do a live q a for an hour every single week that's i mean it's like doing a webinar or every
0: nate i'm losing you
1: guys master mytrades.com.
0: Are you here, Charlie? I am. I lost you for a second. I'm not sure who's in that was. It was one of ours. Uh, maybe a catfish yeah. got inside the line or something. I don't know.
1: That happens. Yeah. But, that, that but you sounds... were just wrapping,
0: you were wrapping it up saying, you know, go to mastermytrades.com, yeah. get inside the Liberty Trading Academy while you can. And um, there's no reason not to. I mean, you, you have to understand what's happening Inside the markets and take control of your future that way. And, um, there's no better opportunity. I'm telling you, there ain't no better opportunity. There ain't none, man.
1: There just ain't none. Nope. Let's talk uh, about
0: what really pisses us off. (laughs) you know, there's this entire narrative. Nate and I were talking about this before we went live today, but there, there's this whole narrative that we've been talking about on this podcast, even for weeks, if not millenniums. Um,
1: (laughs) either one of those. Yeah.
0: Where there this narrative, especially from, you know, Bernie bros and and his whole campaign and this progressive push um, But even you could see it from some libertarians and and the Republicans is that there's this narrative where we have to hate rich people It's all of our problems are caused by rich people Just like in the Weimar Republic like all of the Germans issues were caused Mm -hmm. by the Jews Just like in Russia And the, the Lenin Stalin takeover of communism in Russia, all of their problems were caused by rich people. And so we're seeing this narrative play out again, where it's, it's class separation. It's race separation. It's this whole group identity thing that just leads to ultimate violence and hundreds of millions of people dying. And so the, it's just disgusting to me, this next article coming out of CNBC again, because you know, they're known for their journalism. Um, how they keep spinning this narrative, no matter what happens, is that it's always the fault. It's just always the fault of rich people, and you should be mad <clears throat> at them because you would be living a, an amazing life if it just weren't for them. So, what does that lead to, Nate? I mean, does that lead to people hating rich people and then wanting to get rid of them?
1: It's normally what do pretty you do to at, things you hate? You know, the, that is it. That's that's the answer right there. There is a certain things that you do to uh people that you hate unfortunately and and this has happened throughout history you mentioned the weimar republic and, and germany and uh and russia and that happened there it also is what happened in Mao's china uh it happened with pol pot uh this is what happened in venezuela it's what's happening
0: is, in venezuela
1: <laughs> this is what's happening This is not just some random thing where, oh, well, the people in America have grown hateful of the rich because the rich are, well, they're different here, and they've just got so much of a bigger portion of the wealth, and well, this kind of happened in the past, but this is different this time, that we really have a reason to hate the rich this time. It's actually their fault this time, and it's different. We're not gonna be like, no, this is the same pattern that human beings have always played out through history. This is this is the worst stories from the 1900s that we possibly have, that you could possibly tell the most disgusting stories you could ever tell come from this mindset. okay? and this article is not specifically hate the rich, but it's just another it's just another thing added on top of that. Like it's it's. It's from CNBC, and it's called How Some Rich Americans Are Getting Stimulus Checks Averaging 1.7 Million. Now, for most
0: users on Facebook, its they're all headline readers. They're just going to read yeah. this headline. They'll believe it, and they'll share it and be like, oh, how disgusting. In fact, I saw some people that did, and I started digging into it last night, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a joke? <clears throat> and yeah. when you start diving into it, you're just like, oh, my God, they they write these headlines on purpose. And the, I, I've been telling you guys, pay attention to this crap. You just, it doesn't take very long and it doesn't take much of a brain to figure out the manipulation tactics that they're using here. It just made me so mad, man. Continue on. So,
1: so yeah, how some rich Americans are getting stimulus checks averaging 1.7 million. Now, the statistical manipulation and the, the mental gymnastics and just the, the deceitfulness of the writing in this article – is of the highest, highest echelon that you've ever seen <laughs> in your entire life. It's it's amazing because nothing is a lie, but none of it's true. So let's go let's yeah. go through a lot of this. Now the idea that they're forcing you to believe is not true, but they're not lying. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Yeah. You while do the, the American while wealthy Americans are not eligible for the comparatively measly $1,200 stimulus checks that are now being dispersed to many Americans, they are on pace to do even better. 43,000 taxpayers who earn more than $1 million annually are each set to receive a $1.7 million windfall on average thanks to a provision buried buried in the coronavirus aid relief and economic security, the CARES Act. Now, first, I mean, listen to this. Right away. 43,000 taxpayers who earn more than a million dollars annually are each set to receive a $1.7 million windfall on average. Okay, so already you have no idea how much money each one of those 43,000 people are receiving. You're set to believe that it's around $1.7 million. Each. And based on each... For each one of them, and also based on the headline, you're assuming that that's a check that's getting cut to them from the government because the headline is how some rich Americans are getting stimulus checks averaging $1.7 Well, and
0: honestly, that's what's taking so long because Trump wants to sign each one of these, and he's going to sign the ones to these rich people first. Yeah. So these checks that are coming out that he's putting his little DT on, you know, he's got to sign these rich ones first. That's what's taking so long, honestly. You know, If yeah. you don't have direct deposit and you're waiting on the physical check to arrive. It's just so yeah. ridiculous.
1: What people need to realize is that whole on average thing is very important. One of those taxpayers could have been Jeff Bezos and he could have saved $40 billion on this and no one else could have made anything whatsoever. And they could say that between the 43,000, they're all getting $1.7 million on average Yeah, that you could still say that you and, could, you could say 75,000
0: yeah. taxpayers are getting a million dollars on average. You yeah. know, if you just incre- keep increasing the amount of taxpayers, you're you going say to
1: on average, it doesn't. How many of them actually got money? What What was the median? You know, they. a lot of times they worry about what the median thing is when they want to make things sound as bad as possible. They don't use the average. You know, you don't want to know the average wage in the U.S. Of course, you don't want to average in how much money Tim Cook makes. Why would you want to do that? That's going to throw the average. We want to know the mean because that's the real number. Mm hmm. But when we're talking about this, let's talk about the average because someone made like $15 billion off of this or saved money that was previously going to be taken for them off of this and we need to throw them into the average. Okay, so we're one paragraph in right now. I feel like Jordan Peterson at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You may not be surprised that some of the language conveniently inserted into the $2.2 trillion coronavirus aid relief and economic cares act skews heavily in favor of the wealthy.
0: Now, what they forgot to mention, I'm going to stop with this one right here, because what they should have said was, you may or may not be surprised that some of the language conveniently inserted into this article (laughs) is to (laughs) manipulate you into hating the rich. Okay. Yeah. They didn't say that, but they should have, because we could write one that says that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be surprised that this language conveniently causes you to hate rich people.
1: (laughs) Okay. So good Lord, the provision (laughs) doling out literally millions of dollars is aimed at a limitation that was created in 2017 when Republic. Now, remember, they just said that this is doling out millions of dollars. Uh, Also, in in an article whose headline says that they're receiving $1.7 million checks on average. And this is doling out millions of dollars. Okay. It temporarily suspends a limitation on how much owners of businesses formed as pass-through entities can deduct against their non-business income, such as capital gains, to reduce their tax liability. So you can deduct expenses – against your capital gains and actually pay less in capital gains taxes that's what this is that's what this provision is okay now does people being able to deduct more on their taxes and pay a lower tax rate sound the same as doling out 1.7 million dollar stimulus checks as this article says it so even far. says
0: doling out literally millions of dollars. It
1: says literally. They're trying the to tell you not in quotations
0: that millions of dollars are literally being doled out.
1: Yeah. So, and the, so. the headline says the word checks in it. Yeah. Stimulus checks. Okay. So we make this uh, comparison
0: see. all the time, but it would be like, you know, you're, you have 10 people who are unfairly in prison. They're all in there unfairly. And, you know, let's see. Uh, let's do the math on this. We'll just say two people. So, tw- uh, 20% of those people, two people, uh, they are, they get out of the prison a little bit. Like they're able to go to the yard, like no one's allowed to go to the yard, but these two people are allowed to go to the yard and they're all in there unfairly. Remember that. And so this, what this article, what this article argues is the same thing as like those two people were allowed to go to the yard and the other eight people aren't. And so the, what we should do is we should force those two people to go back into their cells only into their solitary confinement, because that's, what's actually fair Uh, instead of arguing that what we should do is make it fair for all other eight people who were in there unfairly to get the same advantages that these people are getting. And so it's like, if, if you, and and the article saying, it's like, oh, that this, they're literally doling out, you know, uh, they're doling out freedom like, uh, you know, breaths of air of freedom to these people and everyone else is, is only getting $1,200 stimulus checks. It's like, it's just such a ridiculous comparison because the, the problem is, is that, is that they're stealing that money to begin with? Because you have to think of capital gains for the most part, that money invested for those capital gains is already taxed, you know, like unless it's in an IRA or a 401k or something like that, that you get pre-taxed. But a lot of that money isn't. It's investment money that's made after taxes. And so you got tax money, money that's already been taxed, being invested, and then you make capital gains off that. And then you have to pay another 15%. Bernie wants you to pay 50% of that or, or more, plus like a dollar per trade or something like that. It's just unbelievable. But anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, what Charlie is saying there is, uh, you know, taxation is a prison. And when someone gets out of it, I'm not mad at that person because we're all unfairly in that prison. Arguing, in in my opinion, in my opinion, arguing that a rich person who received a tax break uh, should be put back in the same taxation as the rest of us is a imprisoned Jew arguing that Anne Frank should be caught and imprisoned. That's that's really what I'm hearing right there is that this is unfair that she's not here. That this is unfair. I'm here and she's not. Therefore, the fair thing to do is to take her and bring her into the prison. That's that's what's actually fair. No, that's not what's fair. What's fair is that you're in the prison. It's not unfair that some people are out. That that's that's just the way that I mm-hmm. that's the way that I look at it. So uh, I was gonna jump over it. So this paragraph, it's kind of the same. This this paragraph in the Washington Post. Suspending the limitation will cost taxpayers about $90 billion in 2020 alone. Jesus. Okay. Now let's, and we talked about this some in the pre-show. Suspending this limitation will cost taxpayers $90 billion. What is this? This is a reduction of tax payments from taxpayers. First off, this is our assuming, I mean, how are you getting the money in the first place? They're either taxpayers or they're not taxpayers. If they're not taxpayers, and how are you getting the money? Uh, they're taxpayers. That's what's that's what's happening. The rich people are taxpayers. Okay, so they're saying that this will cost taxpayers ninety billion dollars. That's not possible because it's coming from taxpayers and it's being saved for tax. Like this, do you understand the the hoops that you have to jump through to make this make sense? You can't cut taxes and say that that's going to cost taxpayers. That's That doesn't make any sense. That's not going to work, Charlie. It's, it's not. just not going to work, man. There, there's no there's no possible way. Uh, so this says the analysis by the uh, JCT, uh, skipped over what JCT was back here, uh, some kind of a probably joint fairness task force that we have. Uh, the analysis by the JCT showed in just how skewed a fashion the tax provision benefits the wealthy. It found that 82% of the benefits of the policy go to 43,000 taxpayers who earn more than one million dollars annually. Okay, now the problem is they've they've started off by wording this as people receiving. Stimulus checks averaging $1.7 million. And benefits. And benefits. Somehow this is a benefit. Now it's benefits. But you getting to keep some of your own money that you earned is a benefit. Everyone needs to go ahead and accept that. Okay. Now listen. 82% of the benefits of the policy. That sounds like in an article where you've stated that they are doling out stimulus checks to people. That 82% of the checks went to people who earned more than a million dollars. That's not how this would actually be. 82% of the benefits of the policy, that is the tax savings because of the, the deductions on your capital gains, go to people who earn more than a million dollars. And why would that be? That's because people who earn more than a million dollars probably have more capital gains income than people who don't earn more than a million dollars. And therefore, when they take the deductions against their capital gains income, they're going to pay a lot less in their capital gains taxes. So the numbers that they're going to save are going to be a lot bigger than if if 100,000 people or if if 200,000 taxpayers are saving money from this provision Literally, it's it would be completely possible that the people who earn over a million dollars will end up getting 82 percent of the total benefit since they're the ones who have all the capital gains income there. And of they're, course,
0: it's the people, the people that pay in more like, if, OK, you reduce taxes by one percent. People who are paying a million dollars a year in taxes are going to see much more of a benefit, quote unquote, than people who only pay ten thousand dollars a year in taxes. It's like that. The math ain't hard, man. The more yeah, you I pay mean, in, the, based on percentage, you're going to see more of a a relief in dollar figure. But the relief isn't any different in the percentage.
1: Yeah, you could do. Uh, someone earns uh, fifty thousand dollars, and someone earns a million dollars, and they both pay, a, let's say, a flat tax of ten percent. So one person, what did I say, fifty thousand. So one person pays five thousand, and then the other person pays. 100000 And let's say that we reduce that tax burden to 5% instead. Well, the the person making $50,000 gets a reduction to only paying $2,500 in taxes, and the person making a million gets a reduction to only paying $50,000 in taxes. Now, the person making a million uh, received a 50% benefit a $50,000 benefit, sorry, $50,000 benefit from that tax cut. And the person making less money received a $2,500 benefit from that tax cut. And that's that how they would the write it. Benefit. They
0: would say the rich millionaires received a $50,000 tax break while the average American only saved 2500 well,
1: here's where you round this out. What was the total benefit? It was the 50,000 plus the 2,500 from the other one. That's $52,500. What percentage is 50,000 of 52,500? Uh, what, what is that? Does anyone know? Can someone give me a number crunch on that?
0: What percentage? Uh, 52, five.
1: Fifty thousand divided by 52,500. That's 95%. So when you look at the total reduction, the savings and taxes, with the same percentage decline in taxation for both income brackets, the rich person saved $50,000, the the middle class person saved uh, $2,500 off of their taxes. The total benefit for both of them was $52,500, and of that, the rich person received 95% of the tax benefit from that is how you could word it if you wanted to say it, because they received $50,000 of the total $52,500 in savings. Like, that's what you're talking about right here. That's how you're able to word an article. You guys hear all the annoying and boring-ass stuff that I just went through on all that? These people do this in their freaking sleep. Over Like, I don't know how they do it. It free flows out of them the lies and the manipulation. We've got to go through all of this to unravel what they're saying, and to try and show you how complicated the the deceit is inside of these articles. And this is just like natural to them. What are all the ways that I can potentially make this sound as bad as possible? I don't even understand how they find people that are smart enough to, to think about these little things to do this.
0: And where they want up us is they're able to tell these emotional stories that Oh, yeah. We got to get better at just plain and simple. We have to get better at telling these emotional stories with the same mental gymnastics. But but our actual (laughs) words will be uh, not only will it not be a lie, it'll also be true.
1: The thing is, we don't need the mental gymnastics. The numbers are actually on our side. So we don't require the manipulation to to show things. It's the it's the other side that requires the very complicated manipulation of the numbers to make their point we just say the actual numbers that's that's all you have to say you know but but that so it should be easier for us we'll yeah, see
0: it should be Yeah. So, yeah they got all these you guys should check out this article they have these graphs and things in here that you know how they show you the mental gymnastics they went through to get to get their percentage points and everything uh you know it's it, it makes well, logical sense
1: that it's just the percentage points are true it's just people don't understand what they mean. They've, they've misrepresented what the, what the percentages mean. Right. It's probably completely true that 82% of the benefits of the policy go to people who make over a million dollars. But when you talked about the policy as doling out stimulus checks averaging $1.7 million, and then you start saying 82% of the benefits of the policy go to the millionaires – You've, uh, you've manipulated people into thinking that the 82% of the benefits is something else like their stimulus checks. That's what you're, that's what you're thinking it is. Yeah. So it's just, man, it's straight up lies, lies,
0: lies and deceit, man. That's what we're out here battling every single day. So, well, I think that about rats wraps up the, all the exciting things for a Friday, you know, just to get you guys in the right mood, fired up. For the weekend. Yeah. I can't wait for Monday again. You know, it's, I, I'm going to enjoy the weekend, but then I just, I can't wait to get back to Monday. It's just yeah. going to be a great
1: day. Monday. Everyone consider what you can do. The field that, you know, what we talk about having master Maybe you don't want to trade. Maybe your risk tolerance isn't okay for that. Find something that you want to do every single day. Like uh, it's really cool that this podcast and the trading, um, You know, uh, I was talking the other day about what would I do if I had all the money in the world and I could do whatever I wanted every day. I I would do this podcast and and I would do the day trading stuff. Like it's really it's really fun and it's it's cool that you can actually make money off of it. So that's that's really good. But find whatever that is for you. Work on that over the weekend. Look up some online courses of some kind. Go on go on Khan Academy or go on Kajabi or something like that and look at some courses on coding or, or look at some look at some courses on cooking or, or whatever it is that you really, really care about and start finding a way for all of the crap that we just talked about to not matter in your life because you've risen so far above it that you don't care whatsoever. Like Jeff Bezos is not listening to our podcast to try and figure out uh, how he's gonna get through the day or what what steps he needs to take. Uh, in his local government or anything like that, like that he's not doing that. And I recommend that each one of you get to that point where you don't give two craps about any of the political stuff we just talked about. Yeah. And Aaron Aaron kind of made
0: that, Aaron kind of made that point in the chat here. He said, the fair thing to do is put yourself in the position where you might be freed from that burden. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. Now it's not saying like, if you get rich, all your problems go away. Like rich people still have problems, but it's much easier to deal with life's problems when you have a whole lot of money. (laughs) yeah. Makes those problems. um, Let's say more manageable because you're getting rid of the financial stress, like getting rid of financial stress sets you up for a whole world of tackling all kinds of other problems. It's yeah, it's just, it's the, It's not only the logical thing to do, it's just the right thing to do.
1: When it comes to these tax cuts things and libertarians say it with, uh, you know, churches being tax free and stuff all the time. If I'm against taxation, because I am as a libertarian, I cannot agree with it. I'm not going to argue any position that someone who is not paying taxes, that we would fix the situation by them paying taxes. I cannot ever argue that ever. I will never argue that. If I see someone get out of it, as long as they're not receiving positive money net positive money Mm -hmm. from the tax system. If I see someone get out of it, I could never argue that they have to go back into taxation. I'm happy for them that they've been freed. I'm waving at them from the gate of the prison as they run away. I'm not asking (laughs) the guard to get a sniper out and shoot them. That's not what I'm doing. You know, I'm happy that they made it out and I want to get into the position where I can make it out too.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what, uh, that's what this show is all about. Taking that personal responsibility and, you know, creating the most liberty for yourself that you possibly can, while also spreading that message around so that one day we can live in the libertarian utopia of good morning, America. I don't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then even realize if you get a libertarian utopia, nothing's going to be perfect. That's the, the world isn't meant to be perfect. There's going to be all kinds of problems. Like sometimes kids get cancer and they can't explain it and it sucks. Um, and that would happen in the libertarian utopia as well. And so it's not like you have to. to I adopt, bet there'd
1: even be viruses in that utopia. There would be. You, yeah,
0: you would have. You have to adopt that my that meaningful mindset of pursuing something meaningful because tragedy lurks around the corner no matter what. And if you're not in it right now, you probably know somebody. And if you don't, then you it's it's coming soon. And so uh, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the tragedy of life, no matter what kind of utopia you've built for yourself and. That's why we talk about all the things that we talk about. So, um, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks again for sharing the show. Thanks to all of you subscribers out there. And I encourage all of you non-subscribers to get with the program. Um, And if you uh, guys feel the need to, which I'm sure you do, you can leave us one of those ratings and reviews. Uh, These are things are relatively new, only in the last... 20 or so years have they been around. And so uh, ratings and reviews are very important. And if you guys could do that on iTunes or uh, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, also Facebook gives reviews. There's Google reviews. There's all kinds of them. So if you guys find the time, which I'm sure there is a little bit in this pandemic uh, to leave us that rating review would be much appreciated because that helps us out so much more than, you know, along with sharing the show. So really appreciate it. I got to go guys, Nate, take us out of here.
1: All right guys, just like Charlie said, leave us that rating review. We are in a war. We are in a war against the haters on our on our podcast and on our Facebook and on everything. We got to get the positive reviews rolling in so the algorithms will bless us with more traffic to our websites. So go to our Facebook go to our podcast, wherever it is that you're listening, go there and leave a review if possible. It helps get the message out there. That's just a straight up, simple, free thing that you can do. And if you've already done it, then go make 80 fake accounts and do it from those accounts. Okay, listen, that's all you gotta do. That's the only thing, don't do that. That's That's not honest and don't do it. If you guys do all of those things, except for the last one I said, then we are gonna be right back here again on Monday, giving you guys a little bit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Until then, you guys have a good weekend and a good morning. Liberty. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.